Hello, friends. Welcome to Read Them and Weep. It's me, your host, Sammy. And I hope that you guys had a really good 4th of July weekend. I did because it was the first time that I felt like myself in like 10 days after the Rona took its course through my system. But everything seems to be good. The family's good. I'm finally feeling good. And it was a day full of grilling and parades, good times, noodle salad, shit like that. So the last episode I put out, uh, I obviously felt like complete dirt while I was doing it. I don't really think it was a very good episode, but hopefully this one is. Uh, I have a couple of hands for you that both focus on one idea. And the idea is playing a flush when it's not the nut flush when somebody's putting some serious heat on you. In both of the hands in this episode, that's what happens to me. Uh, In one hand, I think I handle it pretty well and think through it well. And in the other hand, not so much. So yeah, let's not pussyfoot around. Let's get right into it. Let's talk some poker. We're playing 235 at the California Grand Casino. We are playing about 1K effective, and I am under the gun. And I pick up a very, very pretty hand, 10-9 of clubs. We are opening this hand. I open to 20 bucks, and I get two callers. One's the main villain in middle position. He's a fairly good, very aggressive player. Uh, He has me covered. He calls the 20 and then the button, I don't even remember who he was. Uh, He called the 20. We go three ways to a flop. I have the worst position and we flop a goddamn flush. Boom, snap. It's queen eight, three, all clubs. We have 10, nine of clubs. So we flop a flush, not the nuts, but we also have a redraw to straight flush. This is awesome. So there's 60 bucks in the pot. And I think this is definitely a board where we are not going to bet our entire range. There's going to be a ton of hands in our range that we're just going to like check and give up on, especially three ways. So a hand like red sevens or a hand like ace jack of diamonds. These are hands that like, it's just not our flop. So it's okay to just check and give up and move on. But when we do flop a very good hand, we're going to want to bet it. And because we're not betting that often, we want to bet big when we do. So I guess I haven't really explained what betting big and betting small is. For some of you guys, this you'll know this, but uh, for some people, uh, I, I, I think maybe it's something I really haven't gone into as much. You know, on boards where you're going to bet like all the time with like every hand you have, just think of a, of a hand where you flop a massive range advantage, right? You know, something like, you know, ace nine three, you can bet a lot. And so you want to bet small. And when you're betting small, you want to bet, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of a third pot. You can even go smaller, sometimes a quarter pot, but think of like a quarter or a third of the pot. And then when you're betting larger, you want to bet half or more of the pot. Just good rule of thumb is two thirds or three fourths. So in this hand, I want to bet larger. There's 60 in the pot and I bet 35 with my flop flush. Again, it's queen eight, three, all clubs. I have 10, nine of clubs. And so I bet 35. I think I could even go larger. I think something like 40 or 45 would be best, but in the moment, I size a little bit down and just bet a little more than half pot. I bet 35. Now the aggressive player in middle position raises to 105 and the button folds and it gets back to me. And this is a strange spot to be in. Obviously, I flopped a monster hand. You don't don't flop flushes every day. And a flop flush is an extremely strong hand. And furthermore, it's pretty unlikely when you flop a flush that somebody else flops a flush along with you. The odds of that are, are extremely low. But... There's not that many hands that this guy should be raising. Like everyone can see there's three clubs out there. So it's kind of a tough spot. And if you think about the orientation of the board, the board is queen eight, three, and I have the 10 and nine of clubs in my hand. So 
the queen, 10, 9, 8, and 3 of clubs are all out of play. So when you really think about it, when he has a flush, and a lot of the times when he raises, he does, he will have a flush that beats me. Because he almost never has ace-king of clubs because he's going to 3-bet that hand pre-flop. I don't know if he's 3-betting ace-jack pre-flop. I think he probably should be, but because I'm raising under the gun, he might just flap that hand. So I don't really know what he's doing. But he can have, say he does have ace-jack of clubs. He can have ace-jack, ace-seven, ace-six, ace-five, ace-four, ace-three, and then also king-jack of clubs. So that's seven flushes that beat me. And because a lot of low clubs are out, it's actually not that easy for him to have flushes that I beat. He can have like 7-6, and 5-4. You know, maybe he's playing looser than that, but, but I don't really think so. So there's like seven flushes that beat me and four that don't. And so I decide to just see what happens and I call his bet. The turn now comes the ace of clubs, putting a fourth club on board. And anytime you flop a flush and then a fourth club comes, a fourth card of that suit comes, you're like, ah, fuck. You know what I mean? Like you went from a flop flush to like, okay, now I have a 10 high flush. You know, now both the king of clubs and the jack of clubs beats me. So this has really devalued my hand. I check it over to him and he checks back. That's really interesting. That kind of makes me feel like maybe he doesn't have a flush, or if he does, he has one of the lower flushes. So he maybe flopped a lower flush, and then the fourth card came, and he was like, fuck, as well. But it doesn't make that much sense that he'd have a hand like King Jack of Clubs, and then raise the flop, and then when the fourth one came, he he checks back. It just uh, It's just not really congruent. So I, I think a lot of the times I have the best hand here. The river comes in offsuit nine. So the final board is queen, eight, three of clubs, ace of clubs, and an offsuit nine. I decide to make a small value bet because when he checks back the turn, again, I just think I'm ahead here a lot of the time. And I can get some crying calls from like worse flushes and maybe even sets if he raised those on the flop. So I bet 105 into a pot that's now 270. He calls it. I flip over my flush and I win the hand. All right. Did I play this hand well? The answer, my friends, is a resounding fuck no, Sammy. Let's get into it. Okay. So I talked about my logic on the flop of not three betting the flop of just calling behind when he raises me because a lot of the times when he has a flush, they're better flushes. And that's true. But in the moment, I didn't really account for the fact that he can be raising with a decent amount of hands, especially this kind of aggressive player, that can be raising a lot of hands that don't beat me. So he can be raising sets, right? So he's usually three betting queens preflop, but he can easily be flatting my my raise preflop with eights and threes. So there's three ways each that he can have those hands. He can also have a certain class of hand that I'm doing really well against, and that's ace-queen with the ace of clubs. So there's three more ways he can have that. You know, he flops top pair, top kicker, and the nut flush draw. Like, certainly an aggressive player might raise that hand. And then I don't know what he's doing with, like, queen-eight suited if he's calling that hand in middle position against an early position raise preflop, but maybe he is. He's an aggressive player. I have no idea but there's three ways he could have flopped top two pair as well. Also, he could just have some random hands with the ace of clubs in it. Say a hand like ace-jack offsuit with the ace of clubs. 
or ace 10 offsuit with the ace of clubs. The point is he can be raising this flop with a lot of different kinds of hands, not just flushes the beats me. So yes, when he raises and he has a flush, he usually has a better flush than me, but I actually put this into a poker app, calculates equities. It's this app called Poker Cruncher. I have it on my phone. It was like 13 bucks, but basically you can plug in hands and you can also plug in ranges and it gives you equities against those ranges. And I kind of put in the range for him that I described here. And against that range, my flopped flush with 10-9 suited has 60% equity. So when he raises here, I'm actually usually ahead. And furthermore, the kinds of hands that he's raising me with on the flop, he's going to call them all if I re-raise him. Like he's calling all of those hands. He's, he's never raising a hand that all of a sudden he's going to fold. So I should be three betting this hand on the flop. I should be re-raising his raise and I didn't do it. I basically just smooth brained it and I was like, oh, well, uh, you know, this guy's raising me on a monotone board. So he has to be afraid of the flush. So he has a flush himself and, you know, maybe he has a better flush because I don't have the nuts. And that's just like such a bitch made ass way to play. And I was, I was very bitch made in my thinking here. So that's what I messed up on the flop. And then the other part that I really screwed up on, and I hope you guys caught this, is that when the ace of clubs, the fourth club falls on the turn, this is actually a great fucking card for me. In the moment, I didn't realize how good of a card it is. Because like I said, in general, when you flop a flush, that's not the nuts. And then the fourth card comes, you're like, shit, now this guy only needs one better club to beat me. As opposed to on the flop, it's like he has to have flopped a better flush. But in this specific situation, the ace of clubs takes away all of the nut flushes he could have. So really the only flush that he can now have that beats me is king jack of clubs, right? Because it's queen eight, three ace, and I hold the 10 and the nine. So really only if the king jack of clubs beats me, and again, like I said, it would have been really weird for him to raise that hand on the flop and then check it behind on the turn. It's just like, why, why would you do that? So basically, I should have led the turn. I should have led the turn. Like my hand is almost always good there. And I didn't do it. I, I don't I don't know why I didn't do it. it. It just doesn't really make much sense at all because he should never have the jack of clubs in his hand unless he's got king jack of clubs. All the other hands that have the jack of clubs in their hand should have folded preflop. They're all shit because the 10 and the nine or, and the eight are all accounted for. So, you know, the queen is the ace is so Jack, what a clubs, what's he raising me with on the flop? Like Jack 10 offsuit with the naked Jack of clubs. I just, just doesn't track man. So I should have led the turn knowing that he's probably going to have to call with his set or two pair. And, and the fact that it takes away all those nut flushes that I can beat. And I didn't do that. I think my value bet on the river was just fine trying to get thin value and, and I got some thin value, but the reality is if I had thought through this hand better and I had not played my hand like a passive ass bitch on the flop and I had led the turn even as played, I would have made a lot more money and I just didn't feel like I thought through this hand well in the moment and I ended up getting way less value for my hand than I should have. I flopped a goddamn flush. And, uh, you know, I kind of made the minimum with it. So that's definitely grounds to fire oneself into the sun. And I'm something of a fucking idiot myself dot meme. All right. That's hand one. Hand two, we get ourselves into another spicy situation, but we acquit ourselves a little bit better. Stay tuned.
All right, hand two. We are playing two, three, five at the California Grand Casino. There are three limps for $5 and then a gentleman in the cutoff now raises to 15 over these limpers. I'm on the button and I look down at King seven of diamonds. Not a bad hand. On the button, we are definitely playing this, especially for a, a raise this small. I think you can play it either way. I think you can call because you're incentivized to call with a ton of hands on the button because you get to play with ultimate position. So you want to call a lot of hands in this position. But I think three betting this hand is actually really good too because a well-known live hack is when there's a bunch of limpers and then somebody raises small, they almost never have a great hand right? People never do this with like pocket aces. They want to raise big because they're like afraid of letting too many people in the pot against them. Usually when they raise to 15 after a couple limpers, man, they're just trying to like sweeten the pot with a hand that they think is going to play well multi-way. So I think with a suited king, the best thing to do here is three bet. But in the moment, I do not pull the trigger uh, because I'm a cuck weasel. But just so you know, I think it would have been the best play. Anyways, I call the 15 on the button with king seven suited. King seven of diamonds and everybody else calls. We end up going six ways to a flop and the flop is eight, five, four with the five, four of diamonds. And we have King seven of diamonds. So eight, five, four with two diamonds. We have King seven of diamonds. We flop really good, right? We flop a gutter ball to a straight and we flop the, the second nut flush draw. Things are good. Now, one of the early position limpers, one of the guys who limp called, he actually leads out into the field for 30. So he bets about one third pot and two players call. And it gets to me on the button. And again, I think this hand can go either way. I think raising is quite good because both of the players that called the guy's initial bet, if they had a monster hand, something like a set or two pair or a straight, something like that, they're almost always going to raise. So those two guys who called the initial bet probably don't have that big of a hand. The guy who initially led into the field, he could actually have a big hand because he's leading into five other players. Now, I think in general, if he did, he'd have bet bigger, but you know, I, I just think I can go either way with this hand. I think raising is just fine here. I decide to call again and just play the hand in position with a hand that has a ton of equity and kind of see what happens on the turn and the turn comes and a bunch of good shit happens for us. The turn is the king of hearts giving us top pair. And even better, now all three players check to me. Now, this is a fantastic series of events because it means that we almost always have the best hand here. Now, not always when you turn top pair do you have the best hand, but certainly if somebody had a hand better than a pair of kings, they would have bet this flop. So when everybody checks, it's just like, oh yeah, fuck yeah. Like I have the best hand and I have a flush redraw and I have a, a straight redraw and I block the nut straight, right? With six, seven just makes it way less likely that any of these guys has that hand. So we're feeling great about ourselves. And now we definitely want to bet for value. Now we don't need to bet all that large because we don't have a very vulnerable hand. We're not really worried about a lot of hands. We have redraws and our redraws to the second nuts. So we're not especially afraid of somebody drawing out on us. And what we'd really like to see is somebody with a worse flush draw continue to put in money or somebody who flopped a top pair of eights 
just be curious and be like, you know, I, this guy might have just been betting with a flush draw. You know, he, he might want to see an extra card. So what we don't want to do is bet all that big. We want to make a callable bet so that hands worse than us can call. And I bet $100 into 210. The early position guy who originally let out into the field on the flop, he quickly calls. And now the other two guys fold and we go heads up to the river. The river comes the 10 of diamonds, making us the flush. Now, I don't especially love this card. Obviously, it makes our hand stronger in an absolute sense, right? We graduated from one pair with not a great kicker to the second nut flush. That's great. But all in all, this isn't that great of a card because we definitely had the best hand on the turn. And now, certainly we almost always have the best hand still, but now it's going to be harder for worse hands to call us. You know what I mean? Like everyone can see that the last diamond came out, that the third diamond hit the river. So it actually prevents us from getting as much value, I think. The one place it could be helpful is if the guy had a lower flush draw than us and made a worse flush. And now that's a point that we're going to have to contend with because the early position player now leads for 200 into the pot of 410 and it leaves him exactly 300 behind. And now it's on me. And I go into the tank because obviously I'm never folding the second nuts here. But the question is, do I just call this bet or do I raise him all in for his last 300 bucks? I have the second nuts. And my initial thought is just calling this bet is way too weak because he's got definite hands that if I raise, will will call my raise all in that, that, you know, that I'm ahead of. So I go into the tank and I really start thinking about the orientation of the board. So again, the run out is eight, five, four with two diamonds, an offsuit king, and then the 10 of diamonds. And we have king seven of diamonds. So the diamonds that are accounted for are the king, the 10, the seven, the five, and the four. So I really start thinking about what worse flushes he can have with me. And at best, he can have five. He can have queen jack of diamonds. He can have queen nine of diamonds, eight nine of diamonds, or eight six of diamonds. And even eight six of diamonds is, it's possible. Certainly he could have limped in early position and called a raise with it, but some players just fold that hand. So, you know, that one's a little iffy, but say he's got five worse flushes than me. Here's the better flushes he has. Because the ace of diamonds isn't accounted for, he can have ace nine, ace eight, ace six, ace three, and ace deuce. Could he also have ace jack or ace queen? Yeah, you would think he would open raise those preflop, but I also feel like he would open raise, he should open raise like eight nine suited or queen jack suited on the other side. So, so basically when you add it all up, at best, he's got an equal amount of worse flushes and better flushes. And at worst, he's got several more better flushes than worse flushes than I have. So it sounds crazy. And I'm in the tank. I'm literally like looking at the orientation of the board and counting combos here because I can see all the diamonds that are accounted for. So I'm literally figuring out what combinations he could have, right? And to make a raise, I basically have to think that he's got a worse hand that can call more than half of the time. This is not a pot odds question. Anytime you're betting the river or even raising the river, all you need is for that player, when he calls, to call with a worse hand 
more than 50% of the time. That's when your bet on the river is good. You're basically laying one-to-one on his call. In this situation, I need him to have a worse flush than me more than half the time. And just counting everything up, I don't think he does. I think that's the best case scenario is that it's 50-50, in which case my river raise is a zero EV play. It's just a break even. Or he's got several better flushes than worse flushes, and uh, and I'm burning money on fire. So I decide to, after being in the tank, I mean, I think I tanked for like more than a minute here trying to count all these goddamn combos in my head. Uh, I end up just making the call. And the villain turns over ace eight of diamonds. He flush over flushes me. He had the nut flush. He flopped top pair, top kicker, and the nut flush draw. So he bet out with that hand. The turn came in offsuit king. He decided to check call. Then the river made the flush and he bet 200 and left himself 300 behind. And he got me with a better hand. So did I play this hand well? Uh, I think so. I think I played the river especially well. Certainly there were some situations that we talked about both pre-flop and on the flop where I think I could have done better. And certainly thinking about it now, I wish I had three bet pre-flop. So I, I can't say that I get an Obama putting a medal on himself dot meme for this because it certainly wasn't a perfectly played hand, but I am happy with the way that I thought through the river. And I turn over my second nut flush just to show him what I had uh, after he starts scooping the pot and everyone's like, whoa, wow, wow, that's that's amazing. You almost folded that because I took so much time in the tank and I'm like, what are you fucking yokels talking about? I, I didn't almost fold that. I almost raised it. You know, I, I was taking a long time to think whether I should raise or just call. And in the end, I thought about it clearly. I thought about it decisively. I really went through it logically. And I think I made the right decision. And I saved myself 300 bucks by not raising the river, even though it's a pretty close spot. I think all things considered, I made the right decision. That's the point of the episode is what we do with a flush when it's not the nut flush and we start taking a bunch of heat from our from our opponents. So Again, uh, I, I don't think this was a perfectly played hand, but I think I played the river well, and I'm happy with it, all things considered. So that's it. That's it, my friends. Anyways, I am very happy to be dropping podcasts again. I'm very happy to be out. Uh, I'll be playing again very soon uh, this week, multiple times. I'm very, very excited. Uh, I haven't played poker in like almost two weeks and I'm just like, you know, scratching my neck like a fucking crackhead. I can't wait to play again. So next week I will have some fresh hands for you. And until then, my friends, play good and run pure.